0: Welcome back to the Thrill of Victory podcast. My name is Seth Yates, and joining me as always is the legendary Will Fain. And today we have a special guest. He's a close friend of mine from my time at Oregon State. He is a man whose resume is so impressive I can barely understand it myself. I'll I'll let him kind of take over. Brad Brown, part of the Oregon State baseball team. Brad, how are we today?
1: Good. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me.
2: Oh yes, sir! It's a fantastic Sunday afternoon right now.
0: Absolutely, Brad. How many championship rings do you have at this stark young age that you are?
1: I, I have a few. I've been with lucky enough to be with a good, a few good organizations. I was with the Giants uh, when they had their run, uh, and then I moved to the NBA and was with the Golden State Warriors during their run, and then I came to Oregon State and and. Uh, I'm here for their run so I've, I've i've accumulated enough for a couple of hands i'm just uh just ready for that next one
0: brad would you say that's more rings than tom brady has currently
1: i i, I do I've,
2: yeah I, I think i think so. <laughs> so and even like he says the the next ring is the ring that you want the most right i, I stole that from tom brady <laughs>
0: <laughs> so brad how did you get your start uh with the san francisco giants organization and, and kind of how did this legacy that has become uh, how did that start
1: i was uh it was in the middle of the recession back in 09 area mm-hmm. um i was working at a grocery store fresh out of high school um the local minor league team had just gotten uh the giants new first round pick sent to them um his name's His name was Buster Posey. I think you guys have heard that name before. Buster uh, had just gotten there. I was a big baseball fan and very interested. So I went down to the minor league field to watch him play, met uh, the VP at the minor league team, um, asked them about job opportunities. And they said they have a a job fair where they hire internship positions and things like that. Um, That was a couple months later. And I showed up for that and started – back in February and was on staff uh, by the end of the season. And then I uh, got my foot in the door via some, some contacts I made there for the, uh, the warriors. This is back when and my first day was the draft party where they drafted Steph. So <laughs> just good timing all around on my part. <laughs> so
2: with that time with the San Francisco giants, I just wanted to see if you had any, you know, great stories of, I mean, you can take your pick between some of those players. I mean, you've got Brandon belt who was, is- We went to the same high school, same different years, but still got to see some great things when we'd have our Brandon Belt days over in Hudson. But then you also had likes of Buster Posey, like you said. I mean, Madison Bumgardner, Brandon Crawford. I mean, just a lot of great talent in that
1: organization. It was a good – we were talking before this started about draft philosophies, and there was a major change in the way the Giants went around uh, building teams. And it was was primarily built around the draft. And that 2007 draft that was – I think they had like six first rounders that year. Um, you're talking Buster uh, Crawford, I think went in the third belt was the fourth, fifth round pick and then dude, Nick Noonan, um, they just, they hit on a lot of guys. Um, as far as stories, I, I was honestly around the minor league system a lot. Cause that's where I was. I was based in San Jose mm-hmm. uh, for the majority of that time. You know, you see them come through, you don't know they're going to be that way, but I Brandon belt was, was a flash in the pan type of situation. He showed up, um, I think he didn't even get to 100 games, and no one knew who he was either. He was just a fourth, fifth-round pick. We had the first-round pick. His name was, uh, oh, man, was it Gary Brown that year? No, it was Zach Wheeler. So he wasn't the biggest name coming in, and then he just he, he lit the world on fire. As soon as he, he hit the ground, it was he was running. So I think he, he hit like 360 in the first half, and then he was gone. It was It was a big flash in the pan for Brandon Belt. Uh, Crawford was with us for a couple of years, uh, while I was over in San Jose, he was, he wasn't even the starting shortstop in San Jose. So that's, that's interesting that he's, he's this cold glove elite caliber, but the starting shortstop on those teams was uh, a Harry Adrianza who's with the Braves now, but that, that team, they, I have, you can see the poster behind me. That team was absolutely loaded. They won a hundred games in minor league baseball, which is absolutely crazy. Um, you're talking Buster was the catching, it was the catcher opening day. Bumgarner was the starting pitcher. You had uh, Brandon Belt. You had Nick Noonan, who was a first-round play- pick, played in the big leagues. Connor Gillespie from Wichita State was a first-round pick, played in the big leagues. Brandon Crawford was there. Thomas Neal played in the big leagues with the Indians and the Yankees. Uh, Darren Ford played in the big leagues in 2010 with the Giants. And then uh, Roger Kieschnick made the big leagues with the Angels. The entire team made the big leagues, which is just – it's nuts. And you're talking about also – I mean, bullpen, Sergio Romo was in the bullpen. (laughs) So they, uh, it was, it was the minor league team was great when I got there. And they all moved pretty quickly and and ended up in San Francisco. And and they already had, Linscomb was already up there. Um, Matt Kane was a, a mainstay for them as well. So they had that pitching. They'd just gotten Barry Zito over there. So there is, I mean, there's there's no particular stories because there were so many guys that I, I was lucky enough to see come through the minor league system and come through San Jose um, and then make their way up to the big leagues.
0: Brad, one of my favorite things to do back when we were at Oregon State was when we would just hang out and just kind of listen to you because you would talk about these, these different stories and different moments in baseball history that you kind of got to see. Uh, and one of my personal favorites was, the, I believe it was a playoff game when you guys went against, um, a fellow by the name of Mike Trout.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that was 2010. Uh, it was, uh, the finals for the Cal league, which was the giants. Uh, that was, uh, Charlie Culberson's year who, uh, I believe is with the Braves right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Brandon belt was also on that team. Um, Francisco, Pegu- the, the giants organization in those years was crazy. But Mike Trout, he was he was a first round pick. He also moved pretty quickly, yeah. and he came into Rancho because he had a big uh, first half of the season in Lowe, um, which I'm not sure where the Angels Loe was that year. But I you, he was lighting the world on fire in Lowe, and they sent him to High A, and he was just he was crazy. And we got game one. Um, we had home field advantage, and Mike Trout lead off. They had. Uh, garrett richards throwing 100 miles an hour he went nine innings was still pumping 98 99 in the ninth um that was that was crazy uh but we got to it's a best of five series in that league and we got to game five and we're down i think we were down like four to three we came up tied it made it four four they get to the eighth. they load the bases in the eighth with nobody out we bring in uh jason stoffel who was a University of Arizona grad. He came in, got three outs, didn't give up the run, pushed it to the ninth. We scored again in the ninth. They tied it. And then we get to the 10th inning, and it was Charlie Culberson leading off. He got a walk. He had a, a pitch to a guy named Juan Perez, who played in the big leagues for the Giants for a little bit. And it was a check swing. He didn't even swing. The ball was at his face. He just leaned backwards to try to stay out of the way of the ball. And the ball hit the bat all the way down the first baseline into the right field corner. It was a triple. Culberson ended up scoring on that. And then uh, we get to the bottom of the 10th, and there's Mike Trout sitting there leading off. And at this point, he was five for five, had scored five runs, had a home run, had a couple doubles. It was was ridiculous. And uh, we end up, he gets walked, steals first base steal second base, and then stole third and is standing on third base. Um, luckily, we got a pop-up to Brandon Crawford, who caught it and ended the game. Um, he was playing third. And, uh, yeah, so we we won, I think it was six to five final. And uh, Mike Trout had gotten on and pretty much scored every run for Rancho and almost just absolutely won a game by himself, which is crazy for an outfielder to do. So... Yeah, that was the first time I had seen him, and it was he was as impressive as advertised for sure. So, where do you kind of see Mike Trout's career right
2: now, especially you know somewhat pairing up with Shohei Otani? I mean, I know that's the two main stars for the Angels right now, but it just seems they really haven't been able to get over that hump into the playoffs or anything.
1: It's it's all based on pitching. You look at uh, a lot of the teams that are in there now, you, you name them. It's it's pitching staffs that are winning baseball games, especially in October. And for the Angels, they just. They haven't found consistent one through five depth. They haven't found bullpen depth. They've had unlucky situations with uh, even like the lives of some of their pitchers, um, mm-hmm. which is just tragic. So I, I that's, you saw them two years ago. They had that 20 pick draft where they picked 20 pitchers. So they're, they're looking to correct that. They, Undoubtedly, have the offensive talent because you you mentioned Otani and you mentioned Trout, but they they have Anthony Rendon who who carried Washington to a World Series victory a couple years ago. So the, the offense is there. Pujols was there. Justin Upton was they they have offense and they've always had offense. It's about figuring out that pitching staff right there. So I as far as Mike Trout stay healthy. Hopefully, the Angels can can put a pitching staff behind that offense and they can figure it out. Maybe get somewhere get into that postseason run.
0: Brad, tell us a little bit about what you do at Oregon State. A lot of the a lot of the statistics, a lot of the numbers, a lot of the Moneyball stuff that people talk about—you actually do that for a living at with Oregon State, correct?
1: Yeah, so I'm the director of analytics and advanced scouting for Oregon State baseball. Our uh, our main ideal is uh, using both biometric and radar sensors that are both affixed to the stadium and wearable by our athletes. Uh, we use those technologies to collect data on player movement, on player, what they're doing, how the ball's moving out of their hands or off their bat. And then we use that information to uh, help create uh, individualized developmental plans and then as well as help our coaches as far as their plans and how they see things. Um, That's our off-season ideal for our player development. And then when we get into the season, we're focused more on advanced scouting, which is trying to figure out weaknesses of our opponents as well as our strengths, and then finding different ways to put ourselves in situations that complement our strengths and take advantage of their weaknesses. So it's a, it's a whole gamut. I've got a team of seven guys um, and girls who are working around the clock trying to, uh, to help our players and our coaches and our staff get better every day. Damn analytics. The damn analytics squad.
0: <laughs> so was this something you were always interested in, or did you kind of like find it as like a little niche, something that you could, you know, succeed at and then kind of grew from there. So like, like for me, I just kind of attached myself to video when I was at Texas A&M and then that grew into me getting a GA spot where I was essentially the video coordinator, just cause I saw a need, saw something I, I could help way. I could help the team. And then that grew into my position.
1: Yeah. I had a, a marketing background originally. Um, I was working in the marketing merchandising uh, with the Giants at first. Mm-hmm. So what I was when I went over to the Warriors. Um, I was lucky enough uh, that the, uh, the G League, as it's known now, was in its infancy when I moved over to the Warriors, and that was what I was primarily tasked with, especially in my full-time role. was I was working for the Santa Cruz Warriors um, in the mm-hmm. developmental league, which at that time, I believe, only had 13 teams, and there was only a couple of one-to-one partnerships So the Warriors were very early into uh, finding use of the Development League and the G League to uh, help develop players and help develop coaches, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, So going into that situation, I I worked uh, really closely with the player operations side and then got to see the way they operate and really enjoyed it. But my my knowledge and my abilities, I was a, a baseball player growing up and played and coached. And still, while I was with the Warriors, I was coaching a high school baseball team. So my knowledge where it would be valuable was with uh, baseball. So I went back to school and uh, got lucky enough that they brought me here to Oregon State. And I got to learn some more, uh, some more ideals analytically, um, how to develop and, and identify talents within players. Um, and I also had some more time with the San Francisco Giants uh, before I got here. That kind of gave me a basis of the new realm and the new technologies, your Trackmans um, and your other video systems that they utilize for player development and scouting purposes. So. I, uh, I got lucky that I, I moved into a, a facet that I'm really interested in, uh, but it was definitely not the initial when I came into sports. It was uh, something that I, uh, I found passion in, in the later sport. So
2: if they were, you know, to just kind of make a movie about your just journey in life about these sports, do you think that they would cast uh, Brad Pitt?
1: <laughs> More of a Jason Siegel type, I'm thinking. <laughs> uh no, less of uh less of a Brad Pitt. But I do, I do enjoy I I hate, I am not a big fan of Moneyball, the movie. I just uh there's there's so many inaccuracies in it, it, it's frustrating. Um but uh yeah, every time I everyone asks what I do for a living, it's like, oh, you're like Jonah Hill from Moneyball. And it's like, no, I'm Brad Pitt. <laughs> I want to be Brad Pitt. Don't do put me. <laughs> Um so then what would be your favorite baseball movie? I feel the dreams. I that's that's always up there. I just rewatched it. I had a couple of friends who had never seen it. We sat down and rewatched it a couple of days ago, and it's it's impossible not to like that movie.
0: I think it's funny that you say how much you hate Moneyball because before you got on here, I was talking to Will and he goes, So what does this guy do exactly? I'm like, You've seen Moneyball? He's <laughs> he's that for the for Oregon that state.
1: It's it's the easiest go-to. Everyone it, a, a large number of people have seen Moneyball. Moneyball is analytics in baseball and all sports. It's it's ever changing, it's ever developing. The original analytic base was Moneyball. That was the Bill James era. Um, that's identifying players' market values and comparing it to uh, what the market's trying to pay them, and then finding value to pull players in to put them into the, your eight, nine, 10 spots in the lineup. Uh, that's the Moneyball era. It moved into more of a strategic based. Uh, ideal advanced scouting based uh, 2010, 2013, somewhere in that realm. That's when you saw the big shift in shifting the mm-hmm. lineup, reorganizing the lineup and, and how each po- spot in the lineup is valued. Um, and then you go into now. Now it's, it's player development is what the analytics are being used for. Pitch design, um, a player's health, motion capture, in, initials or situations like that where you can use data, to develop the athletes, um, not just identify their value market-wise or uh, strategic advantage on the field. So we're, we're in a new iteration of analytics based off of, uh, of the way it's developed. So Moneyball, yeah, I do Moneyball, but I'm th- in mean, college baseball. There's no We don't trade anybody. There's no Moneyball valuations going on. So, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's an easy way to describe what I do, but it's, it's outside of the, the spectrum at what we're currently at and what the baseball industry is at now too.
0: So I guess what is one thing that you've learned through this journey that you wish you would have known back in 2008, right out of high school to kind of like, oh, if I would have known this, that would have better help, help prepare me for, for where I'm at.
1: How much people are, are willing to, to help. that makes sense?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I, I, I always say to, uh, the interns of the damn it, like squad like closed mouth doesn't get fed so, uh, one of my bosses said that to me when I was younger and I never really understood what it meant then but I kind of do now it, it, it's basically if you're, if you're willing and you have the goal to go fight for something and ask for something that's typically how you, you make your way in this industry is having the, uh, the ability to say I want this and then go get it um, mm-hmm. that, that tends to be the, where I have found success where I've seen others find success the people who wait back uh, wait for opportunities, wait for something to pop up on teamwork. Those, those guys typically don't move fast. Don't move really at all. It's the the ones who are going out and, and fighting for it and asking questions and asking people who have been there before, how they got there. Um, those are the people who I see typically having success. So I spent a couple of years early on, just being the teamwork guys, like, Oh, I applied for this on teamwork. Um, but really found success. Uh, just put myself out there going for it. So I would have uh, If I was going to tell my, my younger self that, it would probably be what I'd tell him, which is interesting because that's how I got into the San Jose Giants was just cold walking into someone's office. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of been my MO since then, and it, it's been working. So
0: That's how I got to Oregon State. I just wrote Wayne a letter.
1: There you go. Got your foot in the door.
0: Got my foot in the door. It also helps that we had a really good conversation when they came down to play us. It was one of those that I was standing there for like, it felt like, 30 minutes, but I was like 15. I was like, I should probably get out of your shoot around. Like, I'm sorry. He goes, oh no, you're good.
2: Yeah. Hopefully that'll be the next guest.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Trying to get Wayne on here midseason. There you go.
1: They're going to be good this year.
0: They are going to be, I'm, I'm excited to see what they're going to do. They've got a lot of young players, but from just my experience around these kids, they're the type of guys that that fit the culture that they're trying to build. The type of guys that are going to do really well in Wayne's system. And I, th- I think they're going to be a lot better than people are expecting. And I'm, you know, I think they'll upset quite a few teams this year.
1: I'll be there.
0: I'll be there in spirit. I'll it streaming.
2: Just on the, you know, the college baseball side of things. How is it, you know, working with such a historical, successful program
1: like Oregon State? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a godsend. I, I tell people all the time, if you were making a list of, of places to work in baseball and not just minor league team, major league team, college baseball, Oregon State is above a, a majority of major league teams in my eyes. Um, so it, it's been great to uh, to have the opportunity to be around such bright baseball minds um, to learn from them. So I, I have no complaints. I, I wasn't part of the initial championship run. I was lucky enough to be here for the last one. Um, but it's... It's you, it's a special place. And, and every time I, I forget about it, we make some that, that super regional run just re-reminds really you how special the place mm-hmm. is. How Goss can really get when when Goss is going, Goss is one of the most special places I've ever been. So
0: absolutely. So I guess Brad, what is the ultimate goal for you here? You've got a ton of experience. You've got a lot of a proven track record of success, right? With all your your rings. What is the like, ultimate goal? For you, what are you aiming for one day?
1: Honestly, just trying to win this season. It's doing my best to help, uh, help my, their coaches and the players that I work with every day, get better. Um, trying to help the staff and the Dame analytics squad, not only develop skills that are beneficial for helping our players, but also getting them to a position where they're getting jobs outside of graduations and, and post baseball we've had been lucky enough to have a couple of people go on to major league teams and that's that's fantastic and i i'm like a, a proud papa every time i watch them go out and, and go out into the world with their new jobs so i i don't have long-term ideals other than just continuing to be happy and healthy and, and winning here at oregon state
2: just from the uh the nlb fan side perspective i was wondering what some of your thoughts would be on some of these new rule changes that just got passed like the the pitching clock and the
1: uh, illegal shift, something like that. You know, it, it's in Theo we trust. <laughs> Theo Epstein is is one of the he'll be in the Hall of Fame eventually. He's one of the minds who have shaped the game we're watching. And like we talked about Moneyball earlier, and they made the movie of Moneyball um, primarily around the A's. But I, I feel like the reason Moneyball stuck was were the '04 Red Sox. They, That if you look at that roster, uh, 2004. David Ortiz was not David Ortiz when they get it, got him from the twins. Uh, Will Minkiewicz, they, the list of Dave Roberts, they, they had um, some elite talent that won them baseball games in the biggest situations. And it was all the brainchild of Theo Epstein. So he went there, he went to the Cubs and, and broke that curse too. And now he's in major league baseball. And the whole ideal is, is bringing fans a more enjoyable experience. And, and I, and for that 100%. So, as far as, oh, we're, we're ruining the classic rules of the game, anytime they change the rules, someone complains. Roger Maris sat with an asterisk next to his name before he even knew they took it off because he played eight extra games. I, you know, I, I would go to all eight of those games if I had tickets. So, I I don't see it as an issue. It's just a, a, a way to make it a more enjoyable experience for, for the people that are giving their harder money to come watch it. So I, I have no problems with with any of it. Pitch clock, bigger bases. If it's going to make it more fun, I'm in. Let's do it.
0: So then what are your thoughts on the shift? Because you, as you, you said, from a statistical point of view, the shift is, right, that's designed to take away hits. It's playing into the numbers, which is kind of what you do. But then now that they're taking that away, banning it because there's been too few hits and they're taking away hits so effectively, what do you think about that and that change?
1: Yeah, and it's in the same realm. I I don't mind. There's other ways to limit hits, whether it be within the developmental side and developing and pitch design sessions and developing uh, a larger arsenal and a better arsenal for each pitcher. There's just there's other ways to go about it. And if honestly, the I don't I had I'm not a hundred percent sure on the the league wide on base percentage and batting average from this season. But it was laughably low Mm -hmm. so there honestly needs to be something done because right uh average major league hitter hitting under 250 is is not not okay that's not an enjoyable experience for anybody so if they take shifts away it's fine
2: just from the media side of things do you see at a point where like we'll be able to see more highlights come to like Twitter and Instagram and things like that. Cause it doesn't feel like we've really been able to see a lot of these types of highlights that can get fans really more involved in the game.
1: Yeah. The, the web gem diving plays from the infielders aren't really a thing anymore. They're, they're If the guy is diving, misses it, there's a guy standing a hundred feet behind him, just throwing it back in. So I, I, I don't know how much it's going to affect. I haven't done much of the research on the data as far as how many, uh, how many uh, specific hits are going to be taken away. It's just, it is what it is. It's going to be funny either way. Mm-hmm. It's, it's you ever, baseball. Everyone loves baseball. There's no way not to. So.
2: Were you able to watch the, uh, the Astros-Mariners' 18th inning game the other night?
1: You know what? We had a, uh, our Oregon State football had a game. So we, we try mm-hmm. our best to, to go out and support the other programs, uh, whether it be women's soccer or wrestling or volleyball or men's basketball, whatever it might be, if I've got extra time, I'm usually uh at one of those events. So we were I was sitting with uh, next to our head coach and he didn't have his phone. He was asking the people next to him like, what's the score? What's the score? So it's uh yeah, I didn't see it. I saw the final, but you mm-hmm. know Do you have a World Series prediction? I mean it's it's hard to mess with a hot team. So I'd watch out for those Padres. Mm-hmm. Um that's that's yeah I was I, I called the Padres, I said within the next five years, a couple of years ago, and, and they are certainly looking up to the bill right now. Yeah. I, I I think I'm going Padres out of the NL. AL. I mean this this Yankees Cleveland thing's good. I, I think whoever wins that probably ends up in the World Series. Uh wow. Houston Houston looked good. They did not look uh, unbeatable.
2: So I'm with you on that Padres pick, but I was I'm a huge fan of you Darvish as a Rangers fan. I don't still don't understand why they ever let him walk. That was a real, real heart hurting one for that one.
0: Yeah, cool, awesome, Brad. We really appreciate you taking your time and coming on here and just talking baseball with us, and kind of, you know, telling us the real truth about Moneyball.
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, Any more information you guys want? I'm happy to come on anytime. Awesome.
0: Well, Brad, we really appreciate you. Best of luck to you guys in the Oregon State Beavers this season, and I will be. I'll be watching you guys from
1: Montana. Perfect. Good luck up there, buddy. You guys have a great night. Bye, everyone.